Hello, and welcome to the Mike Dominic Show. I am, as always, Mike Dominic. Today is the 15th of September. This is episode 38. I have a great conversation with someone who has been in the Linux community and someone I've been following for quite a long time, uh, since I was a young lad listening to Linux Outlaws and the original Linux Action Show. Uh, that would be John O'Bacon, who just wrote, or rather, I just read his recent book, People Powered, which is all about community management, creating communities, how even if you're not in the open source space, um, you know, having a community can be very helpful and how to make that like a mutually beneficial relationship for both you and the wider community. Really great conversation, really great book. I definitely recommend you pick up the book if if you haven't already. It is available in most formats, Amazon, I think Audible, um, and of course, traditional dead tree. So the show is brought to you by my company, The Mad Potter Inc., if you want to automate some of your stuff or you need custom software developed, you should drop us a line at sales at themadbotter.com. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter, and Jono's contact info is in the show notes. All right, I'm not going to waste any more of your time. Here's Jono. Mr. Jono Bacon, I, I have to confess, I have been stalking, I, should we say following you for years <laughs> since, uh, since you first communitized the Linux Outlaw community? <laughs> well, you know, stalking is... Uh... I guess in this case, it's not creepy. <laughs> no, not at all. I think it's how you advance in the community, right? <laughs> I think so. I mean, it's it's friendly observation in this case. I love it. So I, I'm a bit tired, I have to confess, because I was up until 1 a.m. last night finishing People Powered, which I believe is your book. Wow. I'm surprised you were up so long. I, I would have thought you would have, it would have knocked you out to sleep. No, it immediately. was engaging. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. So can you, can you, I guess, just tell the folks a little bit about yeah. if they don't know, you know, if they're not following kind of the Ubuntu Linux scene way back when, if you know who you are, kind of what you do. Yeah. So the the background is why so I, I got into open source back in 1998. Um, and what really excited me about it really was uh, the technology was interesting. But what really got me into it was this notion of people around the world building things together, building technology together. Uh, I just thought that was fascinating, especially because back then when I got involved, uh, like many people, the internet was pretty nascent. Um, so the internet in itself was fascinating, let alone people on the internet coming together to build things. So, um, you know, started um, contributing in the U- in, in the UK open source community, um, built a little site called Linux UK that brought people together, um, and then um, started participating in the KD project, and then spent some time in the GNOME project, uh, went to Canonical and and uh, was one cog in the machine of building the Ubuntu community and then went on to XPRIZE, which is a crazy place where you have these giant incentive competitions to solve big problems. Like The first one I worked on was a, a $15 million competition that Elon Musk primarily funded that teaches ki- that to build an app that teaches kids how to read uh, and then went from there to GitHub and now I'm a consultant and I work with lots of different companies to help them build communities. And People Powered, which you have so lovingly been reading, um, is my new book that came out back in November. When I say back in November, I feel like that was two months ago. November has permanently been two months ago for me. And then I realized last night when I was chatting to my wife that it's nearly a year ago. <laughs> it's like, yes, wow, this year, is, this year the year of, uh, of misery has shot past. So... Yeah, there's some uh, Star Trek style uh, style time issues happening to me. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so, okay, so you, your your area of expertise is community management, right? And building communities. Is that a fair characterization? Yeah. And gin. <laughs> you and I could have a long conversation about Hendrix. We should definitely do we that. We should definitely do one day. So, so real quick, do you drink pink gin at all? 
Do you mean a specific brand called Pink Gin? Or are you talking about Pink Gin in general? No, no, Pink Gin in general. Yeah. I mean, frankly, you know, like you get connoisseurs who will only drink one specific type of a thing. Yeah, I'm the opposite. I'm the, uh, what? I don't even know what the word would be. I'm just a, I'm just easy. <laughs> I no, drink I'm all the, any I'm, and all gin. I'm the same way. I mean, my preference is <laughs> Hendrix, but if uh, I'll drink whatever. Yeah, I mean, I like I like really unusual gins. Like the one I'm into right now is called Old Hollywood by um, oh, nice by the Napa Distilling Company, and it's it, it's almost like a cocktail uh, with oh. just tonic. It's amazing. So I'll have to check that out. So okay, we're just we're talking about building communities. Yeah, and I think folks listening to this who are kind of into Linux and open source are automatically going to know what that means, right? We, yeah, you know, we know. But for for those of us who are you know have bit the poison apple and are on the dark side of life. Um, I'm I'm like half and half. It's terrible. I, I have a Thalia and an iMac next to each other, and they just stare at each other all day. <laughs> judging. Uh, judging. Just the <laughs> hatred. So what what does that mean outside of like the open source world? Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Michael, because, um, you know, my first major introduction to community was open source. And then especially when I went to XPRIZE and I started stepping outside of the bubble a little bit, I realized that the open source definition of uh, of community or what we know as community is actually really unusual. And the community is very different in other areas. To kind of pull it all the way back, a community is basically a group of people who have a shared interest or a shared mission or uh, goal. I break it into three different types. Um, the first is what I call com- consumer communities. These are people who come together because they're a fan of something. They may be a fan of Cardi B or uh, Joe Rogan or metallica whatever it might be sure the second and 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 that type of community people just hang out with each other they have conversations and you're part of your tribe and it's very satisfying for people the second is what i call a champion community where people come together because they want to go the extra mile they want to answer questions provide support and guidance to each other you know they want to create content things like that you know a good example of this is recently i announced something called the people powered book club it was actually an idea by a member of, of the community to just kind of come together and read the book together. And I think you've joined it. And uh, I have full disclosure. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, and that's where people are coming together and they're going to read the book and have conversations and help each other out. And we've already got a couple of people who are going to be creating some Google Docs where, you know, with tracking notes and other bits and pieces. And then the third type of community is, is what you, you know, is the collaborator community, which is open source and people building things together. So psychologically, because we're human beings, when we take away, away all of the the tactics and the details of how we build communities, it's just psychology, right? It's just people getting together in groups. That flows through all three of those different models. But the way in which you build those different communities varies quite significantly between those three different models. Interesting. Okay, so it sounds like the most basic form of a community is, and I, I like your Metallica example because I, I like Metallica. Oh, yeah. Is, is like a fan community. Yeah, right? Kind of exactly. consumers of content or a product. Yeah. And then now, is there any overlap or is it kind of these are distinct silos? Oh, massive amounts of overlap. I mean, okay. uh, what's interesting as well is that communities are very natural because we're we're social creatures, right? We like to hang out with each other. So it's, it, I mean, to give you an example, I recently bought a device called the Remarkable 2. It's basically an ebook reader yep. with a pencil uh, for taking notes. I had the remarkable one. How's, how's the two? Oh, really? Uh, mm-hmm. So I haven't received it yet. I pre-ordered it, and uh, they just started shipping. Um, awesome. And so I went. I, I'm a big fan of Reddit, and I went to uh, the remarkable tablet Reddit community, and that's a good example of 
of kind of a blend of the of the consumer and the champion because people there are not just talking about the remarkable and asking questions, but people are creating templates and and guides and all kinds of useful material. So you get a lot of crossover, I think, with each of these. And and what I love is when people is when people do something different, when people try something new. You know, community is very young in in terms of the professionalization of how we build communities. It's really only been around for 10, 15 years. So we're still figuring out new models and new blends of this. Interesting. So how does one see so let's say you have a, a you know, let's take a um relatively successful small business and they're thinking of either doing some open source or they have some I think a great example in your book was a company that had a platform that I believe they wanted third parties to develop applications on top of am I getting that right yep yep so how is that different than a fan or like a FOSS model yeah so I mean to so to provide a couple of examples you know if you if you set up a um a consumer community where people just come together because they're fans of something. The good news there is that you basically just need a, a clubhouse, a place to hang out, you know, and that can be a, a forum like Discourse or Vanilla or Chorus, or it could be a Slack channel, depending on what you're doing. Slack is not good for building communities, so just be cautious, folks. With oh, I'd, I'd be... I'd love to know why. I, I agree with you, but I, I probably I mean, have um, reasons. <laughs> yeah, just as a, as a, a, a quick sidebar. So... The way I look at it is that there's two different types. Well, this, I'm going to try and keep this brief because I tend to waffle on this. There's two different types of, of communication platforms out there. Uh, I call them short-term and long-term memory. So short-term memory is like Slack or Mattermost IRC. And that's where um, you have conversations. It's a stream of consciousness. And it's almost impossible to go and find previous discussions. So if you go on Slack and try and find a conversation from two months ago, it's very, very difficult. So Slack is great for in the moment. And for little communities, 50, 100 people, it's great. Um, especially if you just want to communicate and that's it. You know, when, you, when you're part of a Taylor Swift fan club, you don't necessarily need to go and find a conversation from two months ago. Uh, so it's fine. But one of the reasons why I like platforms like Discourse and Vanilla is that um, if, if it's open, when you have a conversation, first of all, the, the information is organized in a much more structured way. So you, know, you have a topic and then you have messages within that topic. So if you want to go and find a previous conversation, it's very easy. You can search for it and, and, and the results will come up. And then that gets indexed on Google. So you get SEO for those discussions. So that means that you know everybody today, when they've got a question, they go to Google and they type it into Google. And then invariably what will happen is your question will have been asked on the forum uh, with a response. You'll click on it to go back to the forum and then you discover the community that way. Um, so that's one of the reasons why it, I, I think that um, forums tend to work. The problem with forums is that they just don't have that level of gratification that you get in something like Slack. Like hanging out with people in real time is, is, sure. is great. You know, but if you're in... You know, if you're in Japan or you're in Israel, for example, and you've got a lot of Americans online, then Slack sucks because people are just in bed all the time when, when you're getting online. So, so that's kind of why. But yeah, I mean, I think for the consumer, you need to you need to basically find you need to set up your clubhouse and, and a place for people to go. Now, when you start getting into the more involved communities, let's say open source, one of the reasons why the collaborator model, which is where open source fits in, I distinguish between two types that I call it inner and outer collaborator. And the inner is where you essentially what you're doing is you're, you're, you're working on exactly the same thing, right? So that's an open source project. And those communities are actually, 
suspiciously difficult to set up because everybody needs to be on the same team, right? So for example, when I was at Canonical working on Ubuntu, we went to great lengths to make our community members feel like they were on the same team as our as our engineers that we were paying at Canonical. And, um, you know, all the conversation was out in the open. And, and often where there'd be fire and flame and frustration was when that when there was a, a divergence of that, like a canonical, you know, if someone found out that a member of canonical was, you know, made a decision about something that what, what that wasn't out in the community, people would get quite annoyed with that. And, and I think reasonably so. So there's a lot of complexity within a collaborator communities, but for the outer collaborator model, this is where, for example, you're building apps for the iOS app store or whatever. Apple just need to make sure that you have a good SDK, good documentation and can answer your questions. You know, people who build apps for the for the Apple App Store, they don't feel like they need to be involved in, you know, what the Apple App Store looks like. They're just people who build content that goes into it. And that's a very different model. And this kind of really shone into light when uh, when I was at Canonical, we, um, with Ubuntu, we decided to foray into the, um, into the world of mobile devices, mobile, TV, tablet devices. I, I remember. Remember those days? Mm, good old days. Yeah, I remember those days of not being able to send text messages on my Ubuntu phone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I realized that this is a very different community. And again, coming from open source, we feel like everything has to be done like the open source way. It's just a natural intuition because we've been doing community for so long. So that, that's one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to break it into those different models and people powered and walk through them. So interesting. You, you, so you mentioned kind of transit, not transient, but, you know, time bound or permanent communities. Where would something like a Stack Overflow, because I feel like maybe that's like somewhere in the middle. Yeah, Stack Overflow is really interesting because it's not what I would really describe as being a community. Um, interesting. You know, I've been thinking about actually maybe doing a couple of YouTube videos on this because I've, I've talked about this a, a few times in podcasts, which I think it's an interesting topic. So Stack Overflow is 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 what I would consider to be more of a utility. You know, you go there, you ask your question, and a bunch of people will provide answers, and then your you know the best answer gets selected. Um, it, it works really well, and one of the reasons why Stack Overflow works so well is because they've built scale. There's a lot of people who are on there because people find it just intrinsically useful. Um, a number of years ago, about probably two years into consulting full time. I experimented with moving away from setting up um, kind of more discourse forum orientated communities with my clients to experimenting with setting up Stack Overflow type communities and used a piece of open source software called AskBot. Okay. And, and my, my, my theory was these are going to be way easier to set up because you don't have to convince people to come and hang out in a forum constantly just so they can potentially ask questions. And I actually emailed Jeff Atwood who created discourse and co-created uh, Stack Overflow and I said, you know, is there a Stack Overflow that I can sell to my clients for this? And he said, he, he was actually pretty outspoken in how he felt like this was the wrong strategy to take. You know, he said the reason why um, Stack Overflow and Stack Exchange exist today is that each of these different services kind of sits within a big park. You know, you can think of like, there's the cooking one over there and the science one over there, but they're all part of the same park. And he said that if you're going to build a community, you really do need all of that the out-of-band discussion, the conversations that you tend to have in something such as a forum. So I kind of politely agreed, but disagreed with him. And then I went and uh, and tried it, and uh, it turns out he was right. <laughs> uh, that <laughs> you really do need, I think you really do need 
the problem with Stack Overflow is that while it's it's very very practically useful, people that's not what a community is just about. People like to get to know each other, share their perspectives, their ideas, their thoughts, uh, mm. feed into the structure of the community, the culture of the community, and you don't. You it's very difficult to do that in Stack Overflow because it's kind of it's out of the structure of the site, right? And it's moderated in such a way to you know I'll never forget like I. Uh, foolishly decided to crack a joke in a Stack Overflow answer. You and, uh, they proceeded to delete that account. So, <laughs> really? Yeah, they have a uh, very strict policy on your answer. It's kind of like when you're pulled over by the police. Wow. You just have to answer the questions as asked. Not, wow. They yeah, deleted they, it? What a humorous bunch of bastards. Wow. It's incredible. Well, it's, but it's a different moderation policy, right? Like their whole thing is you have a, you know, I think it was like some Objective C programming question. And their thing was like, well, answer the question just the facts you know <laughs> whereas you know the six gun productions linux outlaw forums or even to a lesser degree the ubuntu forums were a little more loose right could be yeah like yeah yeah i mean that's part of the decision right is where do you want to draw the line right and uh and the tricky thing with communities is most people just don't know the answer to that question i mean i think most people know intuitively well i obviously don't want any racist hateful sexist of course transphobic kind of right. crap on there but you know, someone comes on and tells a joke that doesn't really land. Is that okay? Yeah, it's up to you. Right, then that's got to be like a, a difference of opinion. So, what do you think of these new services? Like, and and I say new, I'm gonna I'm gonna look like an old man here, but like <laughs> Discord, right? Or yeah. like, I'm I'm kind of used to IRC because yeah, you know, it was a different time. But I I. You know, we had a great discussion. Um, I was on Linux Unplugged a few weeks ago, and there was this question about getting younger folks into Linux and where should those conversations be happening, right? And there was, I think it was Martin Wimpress was very much like we should go towards Discord and kind of the newer, more, yeah, I don't know how you want to call it, but I guess yeah, platforms. modern, app, yeah, yeah, yeah Appify platforms. And there was kind of what we already have, like this IRC on GeekShed and we have Telegram and do we want to add yet another chat protocol? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, for for my part, I only hang out on the Telegram and the IRC. Yeah, and I ignore Telegram half the time. Right. So, <laughs> do you one? What do you think of those newer platforms? So, I think people should go where the audience is. You know, this it, it, it sure. this is one of the things I've I've discovered is you know, for example, I was uh, with a client recently. I was building a, a, a two communities for them. One was focused on the executives. Um, you know, people who are running businesses, those people are never going to go to a forum. They're never going to hang out on ISC. They're not going to go to Discord. Those people are going to primarily spend time on Zoom and in their email and maybe in person once we get back to that. But if you talk to engineers, engineers are very comfortable with Telegram and, and you know, ISC and, and Slack and whatever else. So I think you need to take your community where it exists. If you've got a ton of people on ISC uh, and they seem pretty happy with that, then I'd stick to ISC. But there is kind of a view out people. There are some like snooty tech people who are like Slack's just I pretty IRC, which I think is a is a stupid viewpoint. If I'm being honest yeah, it's with pretty, you, pretty dumb argument. Because <laughs> it's just like oh, it amazes me when tech people are uh, a snooty about technical progression. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, damn you it, know. damn it, Jono. Uh, Emacs worked for my grandpa. It'll work for me. <laughs> I just think it's I, I think it's an asinine perspective. And and usually 
you know, I think I'm, I'm speaking in general terms here, but I think people who tend to have that viewpoint, it's not about the technology. It's the insecurity that things are changing. If they don't like the fact that things are changing. And that's normal. I think there's nothing wrong with that. But don't say it's just pretty. That's so demeaning. You know, how would, you know, that's like someone saying that Gnome is just pretty FVWM95. It's like a ridiculous notion. It's a completely different premise, a completely different piece of software. So uh, to me, like, go where your audience is, but um, accept the fact that, you know, technology is improving and it's changing. I think there is a valid and reasonable argument to be had within the open source world about whether people should be using non-free tools. I care personally less about whether it's free software or proprietary software. I care less about that than whether it's you've got a ton of vendor lock-in. So for example, one of the things I'm not a fan about Slack is that they have a back end and everything lives in their service. And you can get it out if you want to, but it's 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 not really gonna help you. Like if you need to move from Slack to something else, you know, here's a big dump of a chat log. It's not particularly useful. Um, Enjoy the JSON archive. Right. You know, but um, I like the fact that Mattermost, for example, is open source and you've got a back end that you can use and things like that. So I think that's a good conversation to have. And people need to just define where they're comfortable with that. So do you think there's ever a point where you would recommend a community retire one form of communication in favor of something? I guess let me rephrase the question. Is there ever a point of critical mass where not to pick on IRC because I literally have an IRC window open right now? Right. Where it's like, you know what, we're trying to do this dev community. We're targeting younger devs. Yep. I understand that maybe we could be, you know, we have our IRC bots. We're super happy with them, but they're all on Discord already, right? They're, yeah. they're playing Call of Duty 417, whatever they're doing, <laughs> and they all have Discord accounts, right? So is there a point where you kind of a old, you know, I don't even know how to say it, right? Should the old guys just actually let the kids on the lawn and right, just, the kids? Just, just move on? Just move on. I mean, um, I I think whenever you're building anything, whether it's a community, whether it's an open source project, whatever it might be, I think we always need to be able to step outside of our emotional relationship with that thing, and and be able to ask objective questions. And sometimes those the answers to those objective questions are uncomfortable. So, for example, if you are in an open source project and you know, you're finding it increasingly difficult to get people onto IRC, and you're finding that a lot of younger engineers, um, or just you know, old farts like the like us two, uh, <laughs> are just moving to different platforms. Then I think it's time to explore maybe you know opening that up as a as an option. So I think it, the the problem in my mind is when you let the emotion make the decision. You know, that's why I have an objection against this. It's just pretty IRC. Is that's emotion talking? It's not a logical viewpoint because Slack, for example, and I'm not defending Slack. I'm not particularly a big fan of Slack. I don't really like Slack. But I tell you what it isn't. It's not just pretty IRC. It's a lot more than that in terms of what it can do, integrations, you know, conversation, rich, you know, embedding uh, tweets and videos and threading and all those different pieces. There's a lot more than pretty IRC. So I think the critical thing is is always take that objective, take that objective view. Uh, even if emotionally it feels uncomfortable. But if you do decide, for example, you're going to move wholesale from one to another, let's say you go from plat- uh, from IRC to Discord, you've got to expect that you're going to lose some people along the way. Moving community platforms is, it's difficult when done well, 
Uh, and when it's not done well, it's it can be a bit of a disaster sometimes. So, you know, if you've got 100 people on your IRC channel and you want to move people to Discord, expect to lose potentially half of them. Uh, because they were just, not that they've got anything against Discord, they just won't get the memo <laughs> about moving. And then you'll start getting some emails saying, where did the IRC go? Right, where the hell is everybody? Right, right. <laughs> That's exactly the, the challenge. Okay, so... And I know, I know, we do have a time barrier here. Just, I think a question after reading your book that came to me because you know I have a software company, we have an automation platform, right? We, in fact, are trying to get third party people to use our platform and extend it. Yep. I do not currently have a community manager, and I think it's got to be a pretty common question to say, you know, how the hell do I get started? How, how do I hire a community manager? If so, how does one do that? Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a great question. So I think the first part to this question is, like, what is the goal of the community? What do I want to achieve here? And, and get a sense of, of what I would recommend is pick your audience, say, okay, who are my audience? What value do I want to give them in the community? So let's say you've got your automation platform. Let's say you want people to come in and provide, uh, you know, ask questions and get help from people. Maybe people will start creating content such as, ebooks or videos or you know uh demos or whatever um in the community and just provide this kind of hub of enthusiastic users of your product in that situation i think you can you can set up a community something as simple as a facebook group um or an isc channel or you could really build out a comprehensive you know very very structured big website clear onboarding all of these different components and i think the hardest question is, how far along that line do I want to go? As a general rule, I think every community needs someone who owns it. So let's say there's someone in your company who can spend half their time in the community. Maybe start there, get things up and running, see what kind of results you're getting. And then if that's working out well, then go and hire a dedicated community manager. Uh, what I wouldn't recommend anyone does is think, oh, we're going to set up a community and then just Bob in his spare time goes and registers a Facebook group or registers an IRC channel on Freenode or something. And then thinks, okay, got a community. <laughs> We've done it. Yeah. Mission accomplished. You know, I know it's a cliche to say if you build it, they will come doesn't work, but it, it's true. Like it, it really, it really doesn't work. So it takes time, but I think it depends on what your goals are. And that's without wishing to shill people power too hard. That's one of the goals of people power is to kind of, introduce the different components of the decision tree is to say, okay, these are the things you want to think about. And then you need to think about what that actually means for you. Yeah. I believe you call that chapter. If you build it parenthesis, they may come. If I'm hundred <laughs> percent. Exactly. Let's say you've like me, you finished people powered. What is the next step? Is it signing up for the reading group or how, how does one go deeper into this? Yeah, I think the most important thing to do in my mind is to just get started. Um, I, I think one of the problems that I see, just one of the fascinating things about being a consultant is you get to have lots of different conversations in different cultures, right? So mm. most people, when you go and work at a company and or in your entire career, you may only ever go and work at four companies because you're there for a long time with each of them. As a consultant, you know you work with hundreds of different companies. And one problem that I see with a lot of companies is they try to overcomplicate things. And I think it's really important that you start simple, say, what's my minimum viable product for the community? Let's say I'm going to set up a Facebook group 
and I'm going to start a conversation and in, invite my customers, for example. And then just see what works. Look at the data, review the data every week, um, try to understand and hypothesize what that means and how you can make changes, and then just start making small refinements and changes. I think that's the most critical thing to get started with. As you mentioned, uh, and I don't know when this is going out, but um, the People Power Book Club is, is like I say, it's just an idea that actually a friend of mine, Monica, um, and this other guy called Bill had to basically get people together, read the book. Uh, we're going to have a conversation every week uh, where people can ask questions to me and all kinds of different uh, bits and pieces. I think that's a great way to do it. But the other thing as well that I would suggest is, um, so I, I have a, an email list where if people sign up. I send tons of just really practical best practice. So, you know, how to build the different elements of a community. I send videos, free training, all kinds of stuff. If, if, if people who listen to this, go to John O'Bacon, J-O-N-O-Bacon.com slash pack, then you can sign up and I'll send you a couple of free chapters from People Powered, both the audiobook and the PDF, as well as like lots of best practice, like I say, free training, all kinds of different pieces. And that's designed to kind of supplement uh, everybody's learning as well. I think that's a perfect place to leave it. Jono, where can folks find you? Uh, well, I mean, jonobacon.com is my website. One of the benefits of having such a stupid name like mine is that I tend to have the handle on most of the social media networks, like twitter.com forward slash jonobacon. But also, I'm an open book. If people find this interesting and you want to ask questions, drop me a note to jono at jonobacon.com. Sounds great, Jono. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Seth.